0: Hello and welcome to Bright Wings, children's books to make the heart soar. I am your host, Charity Hill. The purpose of this conversation is to help mothers and fathers identify books that will liberate their children to embrace truth, goodness, and beauty. Today, we're going to begin our conversation together by pondering what makes a book worth reading. How do I identify what makes a book good? I want to begin by sharing with you where it all began for me. So this podcast was born in me by the two most important women in my life, my mother-in-law and my mother. My mother-in-law was electrified by having grandchildren. She says that her life began again, and my children were her first grandchildren. She knew that we, my husband and I, were readers, and for a while, she'd give them brand new books lovely of her, such lovely new books, but it was terrifying to me. I wasn't used to new books. Sometimes these books were not that great, not terribly interesting, really, but she actually realized this. She sat down on a couch and was reading a book that she'd given to our children, following a book that she was reading that I'd scored from some garage sale or library sale And she noticed that there was a difference between the two books, the new book and the seemingly random book I'd found. And she said, How do you pick such great books? I can't find any great books at the bookstore. I said, Well, you know it when you see it. Then I began to think, How do I? How do I see it? And I began to remember the kind of books that I read growing up because they were the kind of books that I was giving my children. I realized I know a good book when I see it because really, I'm just picking books like my mom did. She is really the legend. And the books she found for us on no budget when we were little are still epic. My siblings and I, we still quote them and call dibs on them now that my mom's downsizing. My mother is a meditative person, a contemplative woman. She's not sentimental. But She is alive to wonder, to memory, to detail, to history. She has a symbolic and poetic mind. Because of my mother, I understand that there are three questions which books worth reading help to answer. And I know that there are at least two practical qualifications that make a book worth reading as part of being a good mother or father or grandparent. I want to dig into this a little bit. Let's Think about our immediate and long term goals for our children. Because books worth reading propose a vision. And we want to think about what is our long term and uh, well, our immediate and our long term desires for our children. Because we want to choose books that propose this same vision. As I see it, goal of parenting is to form and guide my son or daughter into a person who can deeply engage in the web of relationships into which they were born. It seems to me that when we're born, we're inserted all at once into these relationships. These relationships with mother, father, siblings, grandparents, extended family, friends, community, and God. Our first act is gift. Our first act is an act of reception. One of the goals of my mothering is that my child will consciously attach themselves in a, in a growing and conscious way to these relationships. They'll recognize and attach themselves to what is good and true and beautiful. That is my desire for them as growing children, that they would get stuck into this. My hope for them as adults is that they will make a definitive choice in service to the good, the true, and the beautiful, and that they would donate themselves to this web of relationships. T.S. Eliot says, In my end is my beginning. Helping my child to become well-read it's one of the most important ways I can mother him towards his destiny. The little dude's got a t-shirt. It says, Destined for great things. So, the question of destiny is an important one. The three questions which books worth reading help to answer are three questions that arise and are answered in every human heart. Who am I? Where am I from? And where am I going? These are themes From our earliest read-alouds to our final read-alouds. So when your child is 12 to 18 months old and you sit down to read with them, the question, who am I, means that you begin with what is first for the child. Mama, daddy, siblings, fingers, toes, parts of the body. So in answering the question, who am I, we preference the natural. My body is myself. My body and consciousness are originated and received. My personhood is defined by the nest of relations with God, parents, siblings, extended family, culture, history. I did not invent myself. I'm merely a sub-creator. I don't kickstart myself, as cool as that sounds. I awaken to self-awareness. In my mother's smile, she smiles at me. And I discover that I am someone. I am a me. The child's wonder at their own identity arises immediately, and we ponder it together by beginning with what is first for the child, her given and gifted relationships. I would say that is the Eden that should be present in most children's books and that you find present in most children's books. But on the other side of Eden... We have the drama of identity. Drama arises when we have a problem. Drama arises when the character has not been able to adequately receive themselves as a gift. For some reason, the question "Who am I?" becomes dramatic in stories as young as *The Fire Cat* or *The Hundred Dresses*. And then, for older children, *A Little Princess* or *Anne of Green Gables*, Betsy, Tacy, and Tib ponder the question of "Who am I?" *Summer of the Monkeys*. My Side of the Mountain, Trumpet of the Swan, the Great Brain series even, and Jaber Crow. The next question that drives great literature is, where am I from? I am a self that arises at a particular time and in a special place. What is that time and place? Is it my home, a farm, a village, a suburb, a city? What is closest at hand? know it more deeply. So we read about local animals in my family, like squirrels and birds and frogs and cats and dogs, before we read about lions and elephants. That's because we don't live on the African Serengeti, right? And we put off dinosaurs and fairy tales until about age four. So I have a noted preference for land, for yard, for forest, garden, and rural books, because we are too forgetful, I think, of our dependence on On land and on the earth. So I prefer farm animals to zoo animals when I first begin reading to my children. Because even if your child has never held a chick, you can go out to the refrigerator and hold an egg. You might not have cows in your backyard or anywhere close to you, but you can still show them milk and butter and yogurt and cheese. So when my children know firmly what is real and that Animals in a book are real in the world, and they have some contact with that, they have some grasp of that, then we move on to zoo creatures. And it doesn't take long, age two maybe. But this is what I mean about getting to know the place that you're from. Of course, there's a larger existential question existential question of where am I from, right? And as you get older, your children will read books that are. go into this with greater depth. History, tradition, and culture. What are some of the forces that have shaped who I am? How are others like me? What have other times and places been like? Are they anything similar to what I'm like, to what I desire? How are other specific places and cultures of today different from where I am growing up right now? So the question, where am I from, is of course a question of setting, horrible word, but it's more than that. The place where we're from becomes internal to us, becomes inside us. I think with globalization and suburbanization, so many of our children are growing up like Rudyard Kipling's cat that walked by himself, where all places are alike to us. And so the question, where am I from, is a question really of our identity, The question, where am I from, is interesting because setting shapes character. And the next great question asked by books that are worth reading is, where am I going? This means books with plot. This means books where there is a problem. Sammy the Seal is unsatisfied with the zoo and goes out into the wide city where he attends school learning to read and write. Cinderella longs for the grand ball but is held back by her wicked and jealous stepmother, Laura leaves the big woods to live out on the prairie. Stuart goes in search of his friend, the bird. Chrysanthemum is confident in her lovability until she goes to school with a classroom full of kids with one syllable names. Stories with plot are stories where the character is going somewhere, even if the journey is within. Where am I going is the story of discovery, of growth. Where Am I Going is the story of the adventure and the quest. The mature development of the question, where am I going, becomes an adventure story. It's a story of great deeds or actions that lead the hero away from the familiar and into the unknown. In the best adventure stories, the hero develops not just his questing abilities and skills, but his character there's some practical things that make a book worth reading. A book that's worth reading has beautiful illustrations and it has it's peopled by fascinating characters. So beautiful illustrations what do I mean by this? Sarah McKenzie of Read Aloud Revival describes a picture book as an art museum that you can lay in the lap of your child. Illustrations are so powerful. The illustrations of books that are worth reading give your child, The ability to recognize and remember the beauty in the world and in themselves. This remembrance or recognition is morally powerful. The illustrations of books worth reading teach a child what is true, good, and beautiful. Illustrations awaken the imagination. They arouse desire. They stimulate motivations and resolutions. I can remember several books usually fairy tales, whose beauty I poured over as a child. There was a version of Sleeping Beauty, a wonder book published in 1956. It was so dazzling, full of rich colors. Sleeping Beauty had lovely dark hair. And this was so different from the, forgive me, ubiquitous blonde beauty from Disney's commercial imagination. This sumptuous brunette allowed me my own idea. The commercial Imagination didn't own my imagination because of this lovely book. These illustrations allowed me my own mind developed in distinction from the mainstream imagination. I could imagine that I was beautiful and I didn't have to look like Disney's Cinderella. Books that are worth reading have illustrations that help us to confirm yes, the world is good, the world is beautiful. Oh, yes, a tree is nice. Look at that. They help us notice the delicacy of a flower, or the viciousness in the pinchers of a stag beetle. Or the hilarity of the arms of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. the illustrations of books worth reading, calls our attention to wonder. They reawaken wonder in us. And they are peopled by fascinating characters: the brave young knight or Loki or Fancy Nancy before she became popular. The best books have characters that are unique, characters that are not caricatures. We want to know, does the character represent a knowable type, such as the evil stepmother, or the neglectful father, or the bossy older sister? Does the character change from better to worse, or from worse to better? Do they grow? A child can grow in experience and in wisdom by participating in the life of the character. Books worth reading help a child to evaluate the world. Books worth reading help a child to evaluate themselves. And books worth reading help a child to evaluate other books. Now I have to say I've noticed something. I just talked about making evaluations and even judgments. And I'm just wondering, am I being snobby? Am I being judgmental? Let me ask you, did you ever insist on breastfeeding? Did you ever insist on a home birth or an epidural? Have you ever switched pediatricians? Do you ever affirm that your child needs a nap rather than a cookie after a tantrum? Do you ever insist that your child brush her teeth? Do you ever teach your child to be respectful, to say please and thank you, I think we just have to admit to ourselves that all the time we're judging that one thing is better than something else. And there is a standard behind that judgment. There's a measuring stick that we use to make these decisions all the time. Whenever we judge one thing to be better than another, we have a good that's informing the choice, a good that is informing the decision. So let me give you an example. When we arrive home late at night, we put our children to bed without brushing their teeth. This is occasionally governed by the good of expediency, this decision. Mostly, the decision is a judgment that sleep right now for our children is better than one night of poor oral hygiene. However, I would consider myself a terrible mama if all or most of my mothering decisions were governed by expediency. We want to be ruled by our long-term goals. So one, we need to admit that we're making judgments all the time about what is good, better, and best. And two, we need a conversation that helps us locate those books that correspond to the vision of the world we want to communicate to our children. One of my first principles off the bat is that books worth reading are not books that are made from TV shows or movies. The illustrations are not derived from shows or movies. That's my blanket statement. Okay, let me take that blanket off. My twins have a library at preschool where they're allowed to, well, let me, let me stop and say, I love, love that they have a library at their preschool. That's amazing. But they are allowed to choose and check out up to three books a week. I allow them to bring home one book derived from a show or movie. And that was a compromise because they were bringing home three books of thrilling, colorful vacuity. Sometimes we got to let ourselves do this, let our children do this right? Because they need to learn the difference themselves between what really satisfies and what is just simply really thrilling vacuity. I mean, my husband likes to buy Cheetos occasionally. And I hate that. It kind of makes me mad. But my children love Cheetos. (laughs) And it's good for me to try to be less of a control freak and let my husband feed them a few Cheetos now and then. Just so, it's really important for me to let go once in a while and have let them check out the literature equivalent of junk food from the library. I remember when our oldest was three and had the flu for the first time. We knew she was really sick because she wouldn't any longer eat daddy's chocolate chip cookies or have a side of salt and vinegar chips. She was so sick. She wasn't eating anything. Sometimes we have to feed our children whatever they'll eat just to keep them alive. We all know what that's like. But if our children only want to read books that are based on TV and movies, we need to we need to rethink things, I think. We need to consider saturation, right? What is our home culture proposing? Is that all we do to relax? Do we just sit in front of the TV as our, as parents to chill? Maybe we all could stand to have a bit of a media fast um, and just learn how to be quiet, learn what to do in the stillness, learn how to sleep again. And after this bit of fasting, then we'll be a bit hungrier. Our child will be a bit hungrier. And then feed them something really real or really fantastical. You know, bring out a book about with some amazing nonfiction like something on the coy wolf or black holes or some fantastical but marginal fairy tale like Tom Thumb or the 12 Dancing Princesses. Something novel, something new, something that sparks their interest. So in our family, we say no to books from TVs or movies. Plus, there's this thing in me. I just feel like, get your filthy marketing hands off my kid. You just want to make money off their interest. So in our family, shows stay shows, and they don't become books. I'll be totally upfront with you that I am biased towards old books. I think there is a kind of depth to the vocabulary that's often used in older children's books that is lost now. We don't ask our children to learn as many words. That's for one practical reason. But I also think there's a kind of children's classics, books that are significant to us because they help our children to know where their I, their self, has come from. And some of these, um, for children of European and Christian descent, it includes Mother Goose and Fairy Tales, Bible Stories, Aesop's Fables. These classics help children to establish some of the basic patterns and forms that almost all our children's literature takes up. For example, Mother Goose teaches children that the world is knowable and delectable, that words are delightful, and unity in rhymes is pleasing. A child learns that analogies help me know things better. However, I'm always on the hunt for new and recently published books that are worth reading. And I will hold up some of these books in future podcasts like trophies. So what do I have planned for this podcast? I'll be interviewing friends and friends of friends on what they are reading their children and why. And we'll talk about how these books fulfill this criteria that we're talking about of that their books worth reading. I'll be at least initially, at least initially, I'll be organizing the podcasts in age order. So I'll be getting with I'll be beginning with board books, and we'll be talking about the body and family relationships. We'll be delighted with rhymes. We'll meditate on the discoveries of the gifts in our own backyards. Sometimes I'll organize a podcast around a theme, such as best books for boys interested in medieval times. We'll be talking Vikings, Knights, Castles, Weapons, Virtue. I'd love to do a podcast after I've covered some territory and age order. On traditional fairy tales, and another one on fantastic retellings of fairy tales. For example, there's a Peruvian version of The Princess and the Plea that you should go out right now and find. If you keep listening to this podcast, as I hope you do, I expect it's because you can handle strong opinions. Hopefully, you'll find my opinions backed up with reasons from the books themselves and measured against. The reasonable standards that I mentioned. First, is the book in accord with the ultimate goal of my mothering? How does this book shape my child's desire for the good? Does this book ask, who am I? Where am I from? Where am I going? Is the book beautiful? Do its characters have any character? I hope this is a conversation that engages you, a conversation that helps you to think through the books you feed your children, and a conversation that changes me too.